Hello and welcome to Chats in a Pickle. This is the podcast about not struck work between two friends who just want to keep hanging out. I'm Magellan and Alan is here too. Hey, Alan. I'm Alan and I'm here too. This is me Lovely. doing a character because I'm a creative human being. Yes, I love that. Censors be damned, God welcome yourself into our little soul, because this week we're discussing Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. Before we get to that discussion, though, something more important first. Alan. Yes, sir. Pickle check. I didn't need a pickle this week. I'm sorry. This is actually only like four days out from the last episode recording. Rough so stuff. I didn't get a full week to do it, and I apologize to the chat. I failed the That's pickle okay. check. This it's okay. It's okay. I'm gonna go get a. I can go get a pickle. I can eat it. Go get a pickle right now. I want to hear the crunch. Okay, I'll be right back. Crunch. You tell the people about your pickle while I go get a pickle. Okay. Sure. Um. Hey, everybody. So I didn't eat a pickle either, but I'm just gonna let that kind of slip by unnoticed. I was at a cafe today, and there was something that had dill in it which reminds me that what I did have today was a lavender hot chocolate. It was a hot chocolate that had little little sprigs of lavender in it. Um, very different than a pickle, but that's I, ha- I had that today. I'm also wearing a jean jacket, which is also very different than a pickle. By the way, I'm standing right now, which is kind of why I've got this energy, this drive to host. But I'll, uh, you know, bring that down. Uh, what else can I tell you about? Standing here at the standing desk, but it's at sitting height, which kind of defeats the purpose. Should I lift it? Let's lift it. That's the sound of a standing desk. All right. Ooh. A little uh, just happened. Great. Now it's at captain's height. That's what they used to call it in college when the bed was lofted. Captain's height. And it was kind of this height where I can I can rest my hand down on it and it's just above the hip I can bump my hip into it clonk kplonk kersplonk this is kind of like a verbal morning pages if you think about it so it's really actually pretty great that Alan left so that I could model for you one of the practices in uh, in the artist's way that we're going to be discussing <sighs> but I did not expect Alan to be gone for this long I'm back Oh, hey, welcome back. I also really had to use the bathroom as soon as I got up. You know how it is. That's okay. I I just created quite a lot of good content. Are y'all ready for the pickle check? Yeah, let's hear it. Right into the mic. I hope the Discord picks. Actually, let me fix my Discord threshold so you can really hear it. Thank you. You can do this. Here you go. Three, two, one. Determine that. Drop it. Okay. Now it's so sensitive. You can hear every pin drop in my room. Here we go, guys. Okay. Mm. Mm. good that's a good fucking pickle dude it's good wow that's good oh so satisfying i'm gonna finish that okay great just like i finished our assignment this week (laughs) you did you did your homework which you mentioned was the artist way by julia yeah cameron cameron um, I want to start by asking you, even though it's your episode, uh-huh. um, how did how did you hear about this book? Um, so 
I've known about this book for a little while. The reason that I pickled it is because I was at Barnes and Noble recently and there was a display near the front of the store with like a 30th anniversary edition of the book. Um, it had its 30th anniversary last year. So it kind of re-entered my mind. Um, I've never read it all the way through. I think I've maybe read the introduction before and uh, I've practiced one of the kind of core foundational practices that Julia Cameron advocates for in the book, which is called morning pages, um, which is essentially the practice of starting your day with three pages of longhand writing. That's just meant to be stream of consciousness. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I've only ever typed morning pages. I've never physically written it. Um, but I've done that as a, as a creative exercise and um, I don't know, just it struck me that like this would be a way for us to do something that was kind of a medium that we've done. But this is kind of a different medium because it's not it's not a book with a narrative. It's a book with like exercises that we need to do. I thought that'd be kind of cool. And um, it felt to me like it might resonate with some of the things we talked about with like Paul Sellers and Too Mellow and um, these sort of like process creativity themes that have cropped up in chats in a pickle so far um so yeah so i wanted to talk about the artist way um i've owned it for a while and this is my first foray into substantially reading it we read the first up to the end of the first chapter which is meant to be read essentially the book is is meant to be like a 12 week self-help like a work creative book. recovery workbook yeah so we read through the introduction the like foundational concepts chapter and then the week one essay every week has like an essay with some exercises at the end that you can try for that week mm -hmm. so that's that's how much we read had you heard of the artist way before or morning pages or any of the of the concepts from it 10 years ago almost to the day the Artist's uh -huh. Way by Julia Cameron changed my life. Oh. Uh, and this book is in a big way responsible for the continuing success of Chats, the television podcast. Oh. <laughs> oh. Were you keeping this a secret? I was. <clears throat> okay. So oh the lead God. is... I can now unbury the lead. Oh, my this God. Book, it's, like the, it's like the... It's like um, in Beautiful Anonymous when the same guest came on like seven times with all her different friends. Uh -huh. This has been the secret background character that has been motivating chats. Oh, my God. This is the best thing ever. Subconsciously. So here's what happened. The year is 2013. Yeah. I am in college. I'm like figuring myself out. I It's a really rough year for me at first because I don't have a lot of friends yet besides you. And like we're talking, you know, we're bonding. We're talking about girl problems. But like I'm not uh -huh. doing much. I discovered a YouTube channel called Game Grumps. And I'm like, okay, these guys are fine. It's nice to have voices in my head when I'm walking between class or when yeah. I'm studying. I need to, I need to like, help relax. Um, <clears throat> and then my favorite episode of Game Grumps of all time comes out, which is uh, it's Wind Waker Part 19 for folks if you want to look it up at home. It's, <laughs> it's an amazing episode. <laughs> they, do not, they do not talk about the artist way. Is that what you're about to tell me? That's absolutely right. That's correct. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Yes. So, Dan, this is an amazing episode. I've written about it on our old blog, blog before. Um, 
Dan, one of the co-hosts, was who was still very new at the time, used that episode to talk about his experience with OCD and with creative uh, blocks and uh-huh. with kind of like maturing into his adult self. It's a beautiful episode. Well, it's just like the one of the best examples of a good Let's Play commentary, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Um, in that episode, one of the nuggets that he brings up when they start they start sharing like quotes that they love, you know, about like art uh-huh. or creating or things. Aaron shares a quote from Bruce. I rewatched it yesterday. Aaron shares a quote from Bruce Lee. And then Dan says a quote that stuck in my craw and in a particular way, which was he said, I read this book um recently it's called the artist's way by julia cameron and she makes a lot of great points about how the one of the keys especially as a young person to becoming what you want to be in a creative sense is to stop get get out of your own way and to stop blocking yourself by saying oh i'm an aspiring blank i'm an aspiring podcaster and to instead go Mm. i do podcasts and so i am a podcaster Mm. or i do i make art so i'm an artist this is like a huge recurring thing in Julia in <clears throat> in this book is the idea yeah. of like getting out of your own way and letting yourself be the thing that you want to be and not not letting you know money or or time get in your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that phrase was something I brought up to you when we were like, "Are we actually podcasters right now? Or are we just doing this as hobbies? Like we're not real, right?" And I was like, "Well, we do podcasts. And we are podcasters." And for me, that was something that helped me get beyond season one, two, three of chats and get in like huh. really decide to do this as a career. Wow. So that thanks. Shout out to Julia Cameron yeah. subconsciously. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I know that to be a thing that you say and believe, but I, I did not know the connection to this book. So that. I'm kind of mind blown right now. I'm like, I, was, I don't know how to move on from that. <laughs> I was awesome. I was too, man. I was also mind blown because I was like, okay, Michelle said the artist way. Why do I know that name? And I saw, uh, I looked at my Amazon wish list and it's been in my wish list for 10 years. And then whoa. I looked up, I looked up Game Grumps, the artist way. And someone on Reddit was like, what's the episode where they said this? They backtracked. And then I watched the whole episode and it's towards the end where Dan references this quote. And I was like, Holy shit, I've said this quote. This quote has like guided me because of this episode wow. referencing this book. <laughs> Nuts. Wow. Okay. All right. Very cool. Um All right. So I I want to dive head first into this book. Um uh-huh. can I just kind of get out of the way some of the caveats of like why you might not like this book or like critiques people might have of it so yeah. that we don't have to talk about those for, for the rest sure. of the episode. Um, okay, this was written in like 1992. It's like very, you know, white, feminist, self-helpy kind of thing. There's a lot of uh, faux spirituality. Uh, it's like your mileage may vary on those things. Uh, for me, there's a kind of like coziness with that sort of stuff um, because a lot of it echoes things that are like foundational texts or ideas in, in improvisation. Um, And like my college improv troupe was founded by a woman, Patricia Ryan Madsen, who wrote this book, improv wisdom that like has a lot of resonant ideas in the artist way and also does similar stuff uh, to the artist way that, might rub people the wrong way um and you know there's like random stuff like 
take yourself to an ethnic neighborhood and try foreign foods or whatever. And you're like, okay. Uh. Um, and, uh, you know, there is some lip service paid to like, Hey, the reason that you might have your artistic potential blocked is because there are societal structures that like inhibit your ability to access the resources or the time or the training or whatever you might need to be effective at this thing. That's real. Um, So there's a little bit of conversation of that, but this is a self-help book. So it largely wants to ignore those things and situate like the problem as a problem of the inner life so that you can solve that problem. Um, And like you either will swallow that pill and then read the book and find the really great things that it has to offer or that's going to turn you off and you might not want to read it because it's going to annoy you. But that's my big asterisk on the artist way. Yeah. I think um, building on that just a little bit, because I want to get our negative points out of the way. uh, I've read a decent amount of self-help stuff. I've been, I've been given, I've like gifted self-help books before. I remember in 2019, like late 2019, my sister got me this book. Uh, you are a badass how to stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life which mm-hmm. is like fine on its surface but it has so much of the things i hate about self-help books which are lines like if you want to have money just imagine yourself as somebody who has money and it will come to you which right. made me so, even pre-covid that made me so angry that i i remember where i was sitting when i read that and i was like fuck this like come on this yeah. isn't yeah. this isn't helpful and yeah. I think I agree. There are like there were points reading the beginning of the artist way where I was like, uh, "Stop! Like you're really digging a hole for yourself, homie." Mm-hmm. That I like don't agree with. And but like that's the point of getting into this kind of work of of reading any self help book is to let it work on you. It's like magic, right. right? Right. Like you can you can spend and this is like really tough for people on the internet, especially is is like letting things just be what they are and not bringing to it your whole history with problems with self-help and stuff. Hmm. If you just come to the artist's way as an earnest person who feels creatively unfulfilled and wants one type of method to, you know, satisfy that, that curiosity, then you'll find it. But Uh if you're going to read it as like, you know, an objective type of self-help that can is either succeeding or failing, you're going to have a bad time. You know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Definitely. And to the book's credit, like you're saying, this is not like a think and grow rich kind of uh, book. It's not trying to claim that it's going to get you the fame and fortune you've always wanted. Um, but it definitely is on the shelves with those kinds of books. So, yes, um, nice. that's a thing. I think the way that I was thinking about it, I, I talked in my chat some last week about how I've been going to physical therapy And I was at physical therapy last week and I was thinking about like, um, you know, there's some exercises that we're doing that are just about engaging the nervous system in my legs to like get me to fully feel my leg. Um, and then there's other exercises where like I have some hip issues and, Uh, There are exercises we do specifically to work on the hip that cause pain in the hip, but that's like part of the recovery process. Yeah. And 
as I was doing those things um, and doing these little these little exercises and repeated motions and some things that were meant to make me feel better and some that were meant to challenge me, I was like, this feels like an improv class right now. And I had this yeah. realization that improv class is kind of like creative therapy, but not like talk therapy, like physical therapy for your creative self. Um, and there are exercises and activities that are meant to engage the nervous system of your creative self and get you to feel your extremities. And there are exercises that are meant to make you feel uncomfortable because you don't ever work or stretch that muscle and you need to build it up and strengthen it. Um, and that's kind of how I approach the artist's way as a book is it's really just about engaging you in the process of like working the whole creative body and becoming in tune with it. And on that level, I think it's a valuable book for anybody. And some of the spiritual stuff I was vibing with and some of it I was like, no, nah, okay, I don't know about that. But the the more kind of like mindful, healthful wellness side of it uh, resonated with me a little bit more. Right. And that comparison to improv is actually very apt. I was thinking the same thing with everything I just said, where it's like, you know, people complain about guys who do improv and there's a type of guy who does improv. And both of us have at, at one or other point of our lives been that person. Uh -huh. But I'll never forget <laughs> the way you got me into improv, which was I was like, you know, what happens if I get like way too into it? And like, it's like, it feels like it's a cult, you know? And you were like, yeah, it's a cult where the connecting factor is that people are nice and listen to each other and make each other think and laugh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm in this cult now. And, <laughs> it sounds like a pretty good cult. You know, it's an expensive cult, but it's a cult. Um, God, just super quick sidebar. I had tried explaining the word cult to my parents and tried tra translating into Arabic and everything. And I could not because cult is such a weird, flexible word. And I think this mm -hmm. relates to the book though of like, buying into something as a collective like community can sometimes feel like you are you know drinking the kool-aid but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. again when that kool-aid is just like strawberry fruit punch and it tastes good and then you can go home right it's not a bad <laughs> cult so like i think the artist way ultimately is like here are some here are some very doable frameworks for the average person to crack through the sort of rut that they may find themselves in and make something and they will find out what that something is while doing the process. It's all the process. It's not telling you, we want to make everybody into an artist. It's not saying we want to make everybody into a writer. It's just saying, Hey, here's a way to, here's how you, I'm giving you the tools to figure it out, which I mean, I wish a lot of my education had given me this because I would have known maybe more specifically what creative works I would be into mm. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do we want to get into the specifics of uh, what's discussed in the book? I do. There's quite a bit of like introductory stuff and ideas before we even get to the exercises. Yeah. Yeah. So there's um, there's an introduction that kind of talks about how Julia Cameron came to doing this sort of work. Um, and <laughs> the way that she talks about the other like asterisk I have on that this book is every time she kind of talks about like coming up with something it's like yeah i don't know where it came from i just 
I just started doing this brilliant thing and here we are. And it's like, I don't mm. think that's the whole story. But anyway, she even on. says that a lot of the ideas from this were collected from other people. Yeah. And she's kind of collating a lot of it, which is good. That's like important. But yeah, to, to claim that it came from the above. It's like, what are you saying? <laughs> what do yeah. you mean? Um, but the the first uh, kind of chapter here before we get into the weeks, it's called Spiritual Electricity, The Basic Principles. Yeah. And um, essentially what she's trying to talk through here is that the goal here is what she's calling creative recovery and a connection with the feeling of flow. Um, and in the book, sometimes she calls it God, which uh, stands for good orderly direction. Um, or you could call it the, <laughs> the universe or whatever the heck you want to call it. But what I did like about all of this was the idea of like, okay, from from a spiritual framework, God is a creator. Like, let's take that idea of creator on its face, someone who has made something. Uh, and so we, when we create things, we are kind of connecting to this fundamental divine essence of the world or whatever it is that has created the world. And so that's like kind of our, I don't know, that's like our place in this world is to make stuff. And when you make stuff, you feel some kind of spiritual electricity or flow or some evidence that you are in connection with that thing. And that's the part of the spiritual stuff that I liked and that I think I've felt to some degree. I've felt the feeling of being in flow. I've felt the feeling of that sort of creative energy. Um, but that's a lot of what this first this first chapter is about. Was there anything that stuck out to you here in this part? Yeah. Uh, there's a thing in this intro, like you get your best ideas when you're stimulated by the real world, mm -hmm. which is actually a really useful framework, I think, for figuring out what it is that your creative work is because i i also learned the best i think to myself like if i only sat down and wrote more i would finally get these articles done and like <clears throat> every writer i've ever met when they when asked like how do you deal with writer's block or or creative like dissatisfaction their answer is like go read something else go outside uh -huh. Uh -huh. go to a bar where people are just talking hear the way that other people talk and think and act and that's where art comes from. That's where the sort of I've seen other metaphors that are like, oh, creativity is like a fairy that flies around and sometimes enters your body and then leaves on its own accord and you have to capture it while it's with you. Uh, and that those fairies fly around outside. They fly around in the real world, not in your, you know, writing quarters. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that point because it's good to remind people to not just grind it out and be hardworking. You'll get it, but to actually like step away from it. Mm hmm. And then the other really big one from the intro was um, this stuff about creativity. I'm not sure if this was in this this very first part or not. Creativity is showing up. Creativity is listening to the voice in your head begging to be let out. Uh, I just think that's yeah. Creativity is showing up is a great is a great line. Um, I've been thinking a lot about motivation lately. Um, it's mm. even something I mm -hmm. sort of. I know you're not supposed to talk about what you write in your morning writing, but I can like briefly just say. Sure, I, we can break the rules. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, motivation is something that I, I was talking about this with my therapist on Saturday, right? And it's like, oh, how do I find the motivation to do X, Y, Z? And we were just kind of going through like, oh, 
I think at this point I've, I've finally come to, to the understanding and maybe I've said this on a nights before and I've struggled with it in my own life still, but mm-hmm. showing up is motivation. Being consistent is motivation. Mm-hmm. Waiting for that spark to light your brain up again and make you suddenly be good at things. That feels like you, we've called that motivation for our whole lives, but that's not, you can't rely on that. That thing goes away for long periods of time and it's not something you can rely on, but what you can rely on is your own consistency. So trying to do something a little bit every day is a lot more productive and creative than just kind of waiting until it feels right. Yeah. There's this great, um, you know, this throughout this whole book, I was reading it as, uh, I don't know if you're identifying with the like person who's in or wants to be in creative recovery part of it. It sounds like you are. Um, yeah. And at least a little bit yeah i i definitely am um identifying with that part and also throughout i'm thinking about um how it applies to ap research which is the class that i teach which i talked a lot about in the paul sellers episode um and that idea that you were just discussing uh there's actually this other book i'm trying to find the title of it i think it's called art is or something like that um but essentially there's this like anecdote or parable the parable of the pottery class have i told you about this before i don't think so essentially it's about this pottery class where this teacher splits the class into two groups and one group it's like okay for the next 30 days you're gonna make one pot every single day and you're gonna get graded on like the number of pots that you make and then the other group it's like you have 30 days to make one pot total and you're going to get graded on like the quality of that one pot and the group that had the best pots were the ones that just made a pot every single day um because that act of like continually doing a thing and building creative momentum is what ultimately produces the kind of motivation you're describing to do your very best work. Yeah. Um, So it's just so funny. Like you can hear the same lesson from like a million different places, but it's so hard to internalize um, because it, it feels like, God, I wish I just had that feeling to get me up and get me out of bed and get me doing the thing that I want to do. But the paradoxical thing is like, doing the thing is what's going to make you want to do it and what's going to make you better at doing it um which is like you're saying a core idea in the in the artist way and i love that stuff and i want i i I wish more i had read more of this or understood more of this when i was figuring things out i don't not to say i feel like regret like these are still really useful tips even in my my crusty old age of 29 you know but like <laughs> i don't know these are these are good tips man They're, and that yeah. that's why i texted you i was like man this book has got the juice like it's yeah it's hitting in the right ways it's not to say like oh i really needed this right now i know you're saying it sounds like you kind of felt that way um i can even acknowledge even if i don't feel like i needed this right now that i am glad it's here mm-hmm. is how i felt about a lot of especially these early parts like the how to yeah. use this book for creative recovery segment yeah um do you want to talk about the basic tools the two basic tools that are described in the next chapter i do 
Okay, so the basis of the creative recovery in the artist's way is two practices that Julia Cameron encourages. One of them is a daily practice and one of them is a weekly practice. The daily practice is called morning pages. And um, essentially the way morning pages work is you get up a little earlier than you usually do and you write out three longhand handwritten pages about whatever is on your mind. Um, you don't judge it. You don't interpret it. You're not trying to accomplish something. You're literally just trying to write the things that are on your mind. And um, the argument that she makes, well, actually, I won't get into that. I'll say what the other tool is. The other tool is a weekly practice called the artist date, uh, where you go out of your way to do something that's to protect time for yourself, do something for you that is going to bring you some kind of artistic inspiration or just some kind of encouragement or whatever it is um, that is going to be inputs into your creative uh, mechanism. Uh, because what she sort of argues is art is really about like repurposing the images and ideas and things that we bring in throughout our lives so we need a we need a set of inputs and then the morning pages is a place to start to process those things um before we turn them into the outputs that are whatever our art ends up being our day-to-day yeah yeah um so did you do morning pages for this podcast i did yeah today this morning in fact i did because i i only had read <clears throat> the book last night and when I got uh-huh. to the segment that was like, you should do morning pages every day, I was like, fuck. <laughs> I have one day to do it. Yeah, I didn't give us a lot of time to uh, actually put stuff into practice. But I did do something very similar to morning pages back in 2022, which is I journaled every day um, without yeah. missing a single day. Yeah. So I wrote one page every day over there. So the idea of doing three mm-hmm. pages a day was really daunting. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I would say, I mean, it took me the entirety of my breakfast and morning coffee to finish this writing exercise. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not hard. Right. That's the, and, and that's kind of the metaphor, right? Is like doing it, like getting the part, going to the part where you start doing it is the hard part. Once you're in it, your brain has plenty to say. Yeah. You know, I was talking about, I mean, like you said, she mentions that you should like never look at these, seal them in an envelope and then move on just like ideate mm-hmm. and continue but mm-hmm. i want to briefly talk about what i wrote about because i feel like it's interesting sure um she even says like a lot of what you write is not going to be interesting and not memorable and not like worth thinking about but just like putting it on paper matters so i wrote a lot about relationship stuff actually and how it was kind of like self-therapy you know she talks about in the next segment about artist date how like we are fundamentally afraid of in being intimate with ourselves and I started identifying certain aspects of like, you know, I keep talking about this. I've written about this for an entire page and I didn't think about it, but maybe it does matter to me like that. I'm not physically intimate with someone right now more than I thought because I'm like moving on in my life and not sitting down and thinking about what matters. And now Mm -hmm. that I am, I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that's like a core thing at the front of my mind. Like, why is that? And so I started writing about like, you know, past relationships and what I'm looking for in the future and mm-hmm. then I turned that into sort of like a short and long-term goals list from the rest of my week. Mm. And like, how can I work towards the things that make me happy? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it felt really good. It was very, it was very rewarding and, and relatively easy once I got started. Like page one seemed impossible. Page two was a blur. And then page three uh, was fine. It was totally fine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I did the damn thing today. What about you? Um, I didn't write them for this, but I have, I've had stretches of time um, in the past where it's like several months at a time. I'm writing morning pages in the morning. Like I said before, I've only ever typed them. I've never done the handwritten version because even though it's like sealed in an envelope, whatever, I like being able to go back and be like, what was I thinking about in, you know, August of 2019 or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like being able to have that window. Um, it's not always a fun window to have uh, because it's like, oh, I was really stuck on whatever the idea was at the time or you know it puts you back into places you might not want to be um but i i've had a you know a variety of experiences with it i definitely when i first learned about the practice fell into the pitfall that she describes in the chapter where she's talking about like you know some people say oh well seems like this is only for writers like how could a painter use this thing yeah and uh she says actually the people who have the hardest time with it are people who are writers who want it to be a writing exercise and they try to write something and then it like fucks with the exercise and doesn't do what it's supposed to do um and that was a hundred percent my initial experiences with it however long ago when i first learned about it years ago i i initially did it because i wanted to get myself to write poetry more. And I was thinking like, yeah, I'll be able to like mine words and phrases from the morning pages and turn it into poems or whatever. Um, But all it did was kind of introduce this filter into the free writing process that made it really difficult to do. And then when I just started maybe a couple years later doing it the way that it was supposed to be, it's like, oh, I... I needed to process some shit. <laughs> like exactly. there, was, there was fog in my brain that I needed to work through. Um, and it's always been the case for me that when I start my day doing this, I feel a lot more clarity for the rest yes. of the day. You know, like she says in the book that you can't put a price on that. And that is relevant regardless of your occupation or, your hobbies or your art or whatever giving yourself the time to process and to develop insight into how you think and feel is the stuff that makes your life more worth living i guess or Mm -hmm. you're more aware of it or you're more um intentional about it or however you want to express that idea so i highly recommend it but it is a thing that's it can be difficult to maintain the habit for it, for sure. Yeah, but a lot of things that are worth doing are hard, right? Uh, yeah. And it it just, I cannot under, overstate how much this feel, felt good to be to do. And mm-hmm. like, I had a, a really nice day today. I don't know if it, I'll feel that every single time. I also just had the day off. So like, mm-hmm. I was naturally inclined to feel good. But like, right, right. I don't know. I, I was like, oh, like this is a sort of guiding path for me to think about things. This, this next 24 hours is like, this was the first thing that came to mind and I wrote three pages about it. So what does that say about me and what can I do about that? And it's just like, 
we deny ourselves that, you know? She talks about mm-hmm. this, but we really, really choose not to think about the things that matter the most to us for so much of our days. And then when you write something like this or when you first, very first start in therapy, you're like, oh God, I'm peeling back layers so quickly. <laughs> I didn't realize I had so much shit in here. Yeah. It's the equivalent of like looking under, I don't know, an old couch and finding a bunch of coins and being like, oh, these have just been here. There's like currency hiding here. Yeah. Um, That's what this journaling exercise felt like to me. Yeah. And, you know, I love the part where she's talking about how she just started posing questions in the morning pages after a while and finding answers in them. Um, And... Yeah, it's just this like fundamental affirmation of if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a person who creates and expresses things before that stuff will come out of you, you need to tell your subconscious brain that it can say what it needs to say and that the things in it are of value. And you need to like establish that level of trust with yourself, um, free of judgment. And then you'll surprise yourself with like what you already know. Uh, you already have the answer to your question or you already um, have inside you the thing you want to express or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that about it. I don't love, uh, you know, there's some like faux science stuff about like left brain, right brain, logic brain yeah. in here. And there's like, there's a, a artist child inside you and there's a sensor and the sensor is the evil logic brain or, and it's like that kind of, I think that kind of um, like bifurcation, is that the word I want? That kind of like divvying up of the brain into these two parts that are diametrically opposed to each other. Uh, I think that's kind of counterproductive to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, she says a lot about let's not kind of focus this critical energy on ourselves. Let's focus that critical energy instead on this evil part of ourselves. It's trying to censor you. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and like, right, right. Uh, I, don't, so, I don't love that. But anyway, that that's why the stuff after the artist date made me uh, spoiler alert. I did not enjoy very much. Yeah, because it's all that it's all like. A lot of the writing exercises, yeah. Talk to the evil person in your brain. Make them a letter. Write a response to that letter. And it's like, ah, I don't feel this is not how I approach the negative thoughts in my head. I don't personify them like this. Yeah. But let's get to that. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about the artist date part first? I I do, yeah. Um, So... The artist date, I said this before, but it's essentially going out of your way to take yourself somewhere or do something that will stimulate your creative brain um, and like protecting time to do that. Um, And you could also do that in the form of taking a nice walk or something like that. So Mm -hmm. did you do an artist date or a walk for this? Well, I did. Yeah, I did at the end of this, the 10th, like, uh, assignment or whatever is to take, go on a thoughtful walk, which uh-huh. I guess is an artist date. I had read artist date to be more like do something that is specifically putting into what you want to make creatively. 
like if mm-hmm. you're into journaling then like buy yourself stickers or if you're into writing then like i see you know. i see so i sort of thought of it as like that and i was like well i don't really have a way to do that right now for the kind of creative work that i want to do but instead mm-hmm. you know on my walk to and from the gym today i did spend a lot of that time just like in my head thinking about well what are we going to talk about on the podcast tonight what's the direction of it what does the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks of potting look like and i was like very very productive today um both before and after that walk because i had been thinking about like thinking about the walk mm-hmm. uh and maybe that's like a little bit of woohoo a little bit mumbo jumbo but like i don't know just having it front of mind was enough for me to like get a lot done today mm-hmm. i sent a lot of emails that i've been sitting on i i made phone calls that i've been meaning to make yeah so even if i didn't directly specifically do this it, it like kind of indirectly helps me that's great what about you? Um, yeah, I did something I would, I'm calling an artist date. Um, so in the last week, I've actually played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, which is a fun thing that's happening in my life right now. Yeah. Um, because last week I ran the club that I run at school with another, or a couple other teachers, and we did uh, D&D two days in a row. And then on Friday evening, um, I got together my roommates, my girlfriend, a couple of our friends, and I DM'd a game of Dungeons & Dragons, a little Session Zero, make the characters kind of thing, um, which was really exciting. And then uh, yesterday, I went to my friendly local gaming store and on Sunday evenings, they have a D&D club and you come in and you pay 10 bucks and you can join a game that's happening. And uh, and I did that yesterday. And that's a thing that would have made me very, very nervous to do in the past. And it still made me a little nervous to do it yesterday. But I was like really excited to go do it all weekend. And then I went, it was you know, really fun. I made a character and I got to experience like, I just want to do this thing that I really enjoy that I kind of like try to create for other people so I can experience it vicariously through them. But I want to go do it. And I've just been this weekend, like really excitedly coming up with all these different ideas and characters and things for the game that I DM'd on Friday um, and have felt very creatively stimulated. I think because I was like, "Hey, what's what's that thing that's going to bring me joy? Maybe I should go do that joyful thing and take joy in it." Um, so it's been it's been really good. Yeah, it's tricky how 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 that works because you think to yourself, oh, "I don't want to do this. It's going to be and it, it's going to be annoying. It's going to be hard." And then you do it, and you're like, "Oh, I do like this. And why do I not <laughs> do things that I like more often?" Right. Right. That, like, make me feel full, you know, fill my cup, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, they're just, you know, because there were all these little thoughts about reasons to not go. Um, yeah. Like, oh, you know, it's kind of late or, I could oh, be doing this instead. I should probably do some stuff for work or whatever. And it helped that today was um, Indigenous Peoples Day so that I could kind of be like, well, you know, it's not really Sunday because tomorrow's Sunday. It's but, a false Sunday. Yeah. That's a lot of what she talks about in the book, too, is like starting to notice 
when that voice comes in that is starting to say, oh, well, I don't know about that. And recognizing that voice as being rooted in some kind of fear. Um, and I think she even does like a pain leads to the dark side thing at one point <laughs> where she's like, fear is rooted in despair and despair is whatever. And, you know, you should not not do that. So that was a helpful framework too, of just being more mindful about the like critiques that surface in your mind and asking, well, you know, is this actually a critique or is this a manifestation of a feeling and maybe I should address the feeling that I'm experiencing instead of the, you know, the logic of the critique. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's an interesting process figuring yeah. that all out. And the more layers I peel back, the more I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I feel so vulnerable. I'm learning so much about myself. And <laughs> that is just a fun, that's a fun sensation. Mm -hmm. Then the, the first chapter for week one is, um, you know, you, you can kind of take it or leave it based on some of the ideas that have already been expressed. It's essentially about, it's called recovering a sense of safety. And so it's essentially talking about you know, your artistic self is this like inner child self and you have these thoughts that will come up to try to censor you and she kind of personifies the censor and talks about maybe the censor is coming from like a caregiver or somebody in your past who told you not to believe in yourself, you know, these like enemies of your creativity. And, you know, I think there's like some valuable stuff in here about just like really thinking about how do you affirm yourself and what are the narratives that you're holding on to that you can let go of. But like we've been describing the way that it's written and characterized is to my mind, it's like a little off putting. And it sounded like you were saying that a lot of the writing exercises at the end of the chapter that address that were kind of frustrating for you. Very much so. Um, yeah. Let me find them. I did them over the course of two pages. I could have written way more, but I mm -hmm. just felt so. There are a bunch of them are called like time travels, like go into your past and think about something from your past. Mm -hmm. Classic therapy idea, and then they get a little bit more creative, writing horror stories about yourself. Write a horror story about the the situation that you know was stifling to your creative mind, mm -hmm. and then write a letter from your childhood self about that moment and what they would say about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it pivots and you're writing about champions in your life, people who encourage your creative growth, three people who, who, you know, encourage that. Um, and then they have these things, I think they're, I forget what they're called. I could pull up the term in the book, but like, there are like affirmations, oh, blurts. Mm -hmm. So like you have affirmations and blurts and blurts are like things like negative thoughts that you think about yourself and your self-worth mm -hmm. and affirmations are positive things. But what she says is to turn all try and write all of your blurts as affirmations, like just mm -hmm. change the wording and turn the same thought into the other thing. Yeah. Um, and there's a part that's about encouragement. So basically telling yourself that, hey, this thing that I did is incredibly powerful and useful and good, and that's something worth acknowledging. That's a great mm -hmm. one for me as somebody who needs a lot of self-encouragement sometimes. Mm. Um, next, we have Imaginary Lives. This one's fun. She says to have fun with it and to be light with it. Yeah, but basically, I like that one. Come up with five imaginary lives you could see yourself as. I struggle to not come up with ones that are just girls, so I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
No, I wrote. Um, I can talk about this one. So I wrote pilot because uh-huh. I like the idea of knowing how to fly a plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, supermodel or idol because girl. Mm-hmm. Um, public speaker, which will come back in a second. Mm-hmm. Construction worker mm. and sculptor. Mm. Later, I think she talks about how you should. The next task is like do something towards one of these few these lives that you wish you had. And I didn't mm-hmm. find that super useful. I think that's a cool thing to like suggest is like it's without even exercise, yeah. Without even mentioning that you're gonna work towards them, just say like, hey, could you tell me five things you would be if you had infinite like chances? And you're like, Yeah, I can do that. And then they're like, Okay, can you do anything to work towards one of those? Yeah. And it's like, oh fuck, I didn't think about it. I didn't think I was allowed to to dream like that. Mm. Uh and so I started thinking about like what being a public speaker would be like and how to get gigs for that. And I was like, oh, Damn it, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. You got me. I got caught by the, the prompt. That's fine. Um, and then the last prompt is to write about it's your monsters. So mm-hmm. that's like write blurts and turn them into affirmations about yourself. Mm. Which was fine for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like I was being a little bit disingenuous when I was like. <sighs> um, one of them was like, I'll never be who I want to be. It's like my blurt, my negative yeah. blurt. And then the um, the in, in affirmation was like, I'm realistic about who about my potential. Mm. Which I thought was interesting. But I was yeah. like, that doesn't make me feel better. That's just another way of framing the same negative thought. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I thought through a couple of these prompts and I had a similar problem where like the way that my self-criticism manifests is not quite so concrete or overt. It's more just like a general pessimism of like, well, you know, that's probably not gonna, like, you're not going to get this success. It's very unlikely or, you know, a kind of like avoidance or anxiety around, you know, whatever it is, showing people things or showing up to things or things like that. Um, So it felt hard for me to figure out how to express that as like a voice that pops up in my head and says something mean um, Mm -hmm. because it feels more like a kind of fight or flight response that's happening in my body. Um, So, yeah, I did. I, you know, the affirmations thing I had an affirmation when I was in college, whenever I would go uh, perform like improv or whatever, I would always, when the show was about to start, I would find a mirror and I would say to myself, uh, you are capable, you are confident, you are here to make other people look good. And that was like my pre-show affirmation. That helped me a lot um, in those moments. So I do think that there is some merit to this sort of exercise at least from my experience but it didn't quite resonate with me reading it in this in the book in this chapter i think like so much of this book you get what you put into it and if i really focused on like a good affirmation that i could say to myself all the time specifically one that comes from a from a blurt right from a negative Mm -hmm. thought Mm -hmm. that you tweaked it's like you if you start to feel invincible almost yeah if I can take the negative and turn it into a positive, then I can't be stopped. That's like, um, so I love this podcast. This is a quick tangent again. Um, mm-hmm. we're full of tangents tonight. 
podcast called uh the, the best advice show it's like a very short like five to 15 minute podcast every like three days uh-huh. and this episode that i'll never forget recently came out where uh the guest was like if you can stop being afraid of being outside in the rain then there is no weather that can stop you from living your life mm. which is like a literal thing like just bring an umbrella or get used to being wet but it's also a metaphorical thing like once the you put you identify the fear and understand that it is not real. You gain so much power. Yeah, and I know this. This shit sounds really foofy and weird, but it's it works. I'm not afraid of the rain as much as I used to be. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like that. Um, I had a I had a thought actually from all of this these exercises. Okay. This week, um, so I was watching uh, a, a television show. I watched a piece of struck work with roommate mm-hmm. of the podcast sean and uh you know it's like a becoming our new show of sorts and it's a reality show and just like in talking about it after two episodes i was like you know this happened in the first episode and i thought that like it was interesting because like the family you know had like like rot at the heart of them and like also the kitchen that they're in like also has a rot at the heart of it and like i just thought that's like kind of like i just like was firing off like thoughts and takes about the show like that yeah. And he was like, he turned to me, he was like, you're a TV podcaster. And I was like, fuck. Like, he already knew <laughs> that, but he meant like, huh. you can't deny the thing that you are. Like, you're successfully, huh. you, you've embodied the thing that you wanted to get good at, and you're just naturally doing it, mm. even when you're not planning to. And I was like, <laughs> and I started crying. I love that. Yeah, I, it's uh... also, it also means I'm really annoying on dates, because I cannot stop talking <laughs> about stuff like that. That's funny. I had kind of a a more existential question about chats, a television podcast or chats in a pickle, even when reading the chapter. Um, Because there's this part where they talk about like, um, I forget who, but she's like crediting an author who said that critics are are basically blocked artists. Um, (laughs) And I was like, damn, (laughs) maybe, maybe. Uh we're just blocked television writers or something like that. I think there's probably a kernel of truth in that. Um, shadow artists. Shadow artists. Yeah. There's this whole thing about shadow artists, right? Mm -hmm. Which, uh, I don't love that term. Uh, but I, it's like you are, you live in the shadow of artists that you, you know, friends or loved ones or people you admire. Um, and you're like, oh, I couldn't do that, but like, I'm gonna support this other person's dream, and like, kind of live vicariously through them. So I don't know. It's got me thinking. Maybe we're shadow artists over here at Chats, but you know, I think we we bring a lot of creative energy and joy into what we do. Um, but uh, definitely, the book kind of like held a mirror up and was like, "What about you? <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah. Uh, I'm reading that section again, and I think she does come to a decent point by the end of it. In order to move from the realm of shadows into the light of creativity, shadow artists must learn to take themselves seriously. With gentle, deliberate effort, they must nurture their artist child. Creativity mm. is play, but for shadow artists, learning to allow themselves to play is hard work. Mm. So she's more making the point that it it's harder to find fulfillment when you are a shadow artist, when you are somebody who who lives in the shadow of the work that they wish they were doing. Right. And like right. I what what's the what thinking about this kind of stuff makes me realize is, you know, to get meta again for a second, 
it's not that I like being a critic. I don't think I want to be a critic for the rest of my life, but I want to have fulfilling, interesting, directed conversations for the rest of my life. Sure. So like, sure. that's the part where I don't feel like I'm in the shadow of something else because all the podcast ideas that I've like floated by Magellan that are not chats related are not about pop culture. I like mm. talking about pop culture because it matters a lot to me and it gives us a lens to understand the world, but I don't, I'm not here to live the rest of my life being like, this show is good for this. Five reason. This stars. One's yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I'm good. We've never been like harsh critics in that way. I don't right. think so. Right. It's a, it's an interesting debate. You let us know in the comments, everybody, uh, or email us at uh, chatspotgmail.com. Just kidding. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what you guys think about like <laughs> the artist way. If you think this is all a bunch of foofy nonsense or yeah. if it sounds like it resonates with you, I do encourage you to check it out. It's pretty easy to access this book for free or at least old editions of it mm -hmm. um, because it's been around for so long and used in classrooms and courses and stuff that there are versions, editions of it you can find everywhere. Mm -hmm. Can I just do rapid fire a couple of little thoughts that I had? Uh, stray notes style imagine if i was like no of course you can <laughs> um when she's talking about the artist date and about activities that will stimulate your creativity she has this great line or the segment where she's like don't do the things that you think you're supposed to do to become like well read on the topic yeah. um because if you're just doing something you think you should do it's not actually going to stimulate your creativity and then she boils that down to saying that you should be searching for mystery, not mastery. Like follow the things that are genuinely engaging your curiosity that you're like, ooh, I want to know way more about that. Even if it's not like the canonical text or the thing that, you know, you're supposed to start with or whatever. Yes. Um, you follow what your inner child is interested in. Um, there's this other little pithy line where she says sight leads to insight which is cool. Um, what does that mean? Uh, I think it means like kind of a mindful awareness of yourself and of your environment and like being observant mm -hmm. allows you to then be reflective. Oh, back to what we were saying earlier about like living in the real world and existing. Yeah. Gives yeah. you insight. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Um, I also love the line she defines art as the imagination at play in the field of time, um, which is pretty mm. fire. Um, bars. Bars. And uh, yeah, I just love the centralness of, of the concept of play here. I think over the last couple of years, I've really settled on this feeling that like the core value of my life is play. And like mm -hmm. everything I do is about, um, is about enriching play in the world. And like even myself as a teacher, and thinking about my stance on equity and access, to me, an equitable world is one where everybody has like the opportunity to play, um, in whatever that that means for them. Um, so it's it was cool to see that so central to what she was talking about here. Yeah. Uh, um, what else? There was a little cooking connection, you know, some kitchen confidential stuff here. Cause she was talking oh, about yeah. like chopping vegetables and how that kind of gets the brain juices going. And it's sort of like having shower thoughts and stuff. So that was cool. 
I was reminded, oh, on the play thing, um, recently I went to an open house at Second City is opening a location in, in Brooklyn in a couple months or next mm-hmm. month. And they had an open house for people who were interested in working for them. Uh, and at the open house, they were talking about like, here's our philosophy and it's rooted in Viola Spolin. Um, and I learned that Viola Spolin, who's kind of like the mother of improv, um, was inspired by these games that were developed by a social worker at a settlement house in Chicago, where basically the social worker was working with the children of different immigrant groups who were living in Chicago. And so it was all these little kids who didn't, who spoke different languages from each other. Mm -hmm. And so the goal was to create games that required minimal communication via language and where the objectives were cooperative rather than competitive. Um, And it was out of those like childlike play games that Viola Spolin developed these theater games that turned into um, improvisational theater. And uh, yeah, so that was just like something I was thinking about that was relevant to these themes and really cool. Sorry, this is like my rant at the end here, but I just hit him with it. People love this. Everyone's always like, where's Magellan's rants? (laughs) Yeah. The artist date thing reminded me of if, if people want to be improv nerdy, um, TJ and Dave have a documentary called Trust Us. This is all made up and it kind of cuts between or it ends with a set of theirs. But the first part is them talking about their process. They essentially do two person long form improv. There's no suggestion. There's no structure. There's no genre. Mm-hmm. The lights go down and they come up and trust us. This is all made up is is the idea. Um right. But the two of them go on walks together and like chat about things they've been thinking about. Like they don't rehearse with each other. They don't do any practice scenes anymore because they've been doing improv for a bajillion years. Yeah, right. They just try to think about stuff and talk about it so that they have fuel for their art. Um, So I was thinking about that while I was reading while I was reading the book. Um, And the other thing the artist date reminded me of was in. Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, he talks about like a core strategy of getting yourself to engage in more like deep work is to do what he calls the grand gesture, which is essentially like if you're finding yourself stuck from a productivity perspective, take yourself to a new place that you don't normally work in. Take yourself out of your normal context and that'll kind of like shake you loose and bring in new inspiration, um, which sounded like the artist date to me. Um, and last quote, this is my very last thing. Much fear of our own creativity is the fear of the unknown. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. The deeper you dig, the more you realize that you're looking at the void. Remember we talked yeah. about the void on chats nights like a year ago, uh-huh. the hole uh-huh. or whatever. The orb? Oh, the orb the orb the orb that's yeah. the orb right right julia figured out the orb congrats to her yeah she got it well Magellan, this was educational and thought-provoking <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious yes it was, it was. no I, I i know i know thanks for reading uh this book with me i'm glad that we took a look at it 
Absolutely. I learned a lot. It got me, it got the, the juices flowing. And it's cool that there's just a book that does that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of creative mm-hmm. types can sometimes be like, oh, I'm never going to get them flowing again. What's going to do it? What's going to do it? Right. And someone's like, go for a walk. And you're like, fuck, that's it. That's all it was. <laughs> you got me. Dang it. Damn it. I'm yeah. afraid of the unknown because it's like the Pomodoro theory, right? If you. Right, right, said, right. It was this easy the whole time. Yeah, I could have just done it. You could yeah. have just done it. That's true. <sighs> Should we tell the folks what we are discussing next time? Uh, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, um, I'm pretty sure Anthony works in the grocery store. He's saving his pennies for someday. Mama Leone left a note on the door and she said, Sonny, move out of the country because working too hard can give you a heart attack. You ought to know by now. Ought to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that what you get for your money? Because, Magellan, frankly, it seems like such a waste of time if that's what uh-huh. next episode is all about. Uh-huh. Magellan, if that's moving up, then we're playing moving out. <laughs> it took me a second to remember. I was like, did those words even show up in the song? Or are you just doing lyrics for no reason? But yes. Jazz, baby. At the request suggestion of listener of the pod, Ryan Slowinski, we are playing Moving Out. Um, so we'll be back next week to talk about that experience. We're going to try to play it a little bit single player and also in our respective on our respective couches, a little couch co-op as well. So hopefully we'll be able to report on both of those experiences. Listen back to the podcast now, listener, and you can tell when I sat back in my chair and realized that and I had started that thinking dunk. about that bit. Yeah, when was that? Like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, when you'll figure it out. Let me know in the comments. <laughs> oh man, are you still standing up? By the way, yeah, I've been standing the whole time. That's why you're so on. See, it works. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm fucking wired right now. That's good. I'm telling you. And then yeah, you I also had like a 6 like, p.m. Oh. coffee, so I think that was a big part. How of it. are you the way you are? I. D- hey, that's Run just the artist way. Thank you for this. No, <laughs> <laughs> Majan, my sweet, my sweetheart. Where can people find your other creative work? Ah, well, um, you can find me on another podcast where I talk about video games with my friend Justin called Super Smash Echoes. We play video games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise. And, you know, when I'm able to uh, get out of my shadow artist self and uh, defeat the censor and uh, turn my blurts into affirmations, you can also read some of my writing over on my Substack at notthemagellan.substack.com. Check it out. Alan, what about you? Uh, you can find me at Mr. Cacciatore's down on Sullivan Street across from the medical center <laughs> doing podcasts <laughs> um, like the Creature Quorum and the Garnet Wager over on scanlinemedia.com and talking marketing every other month on amaboston.org. I spent all of today queuing up guests for that. It's you better like them because they're all good guests and they're going to get so silly in 2024. Okay, that's what I have for you. Uh, (laughs) uh, What do we do next, Pelixa? Yeah, do you want me to do it? Yeah. You can get in touch with the show in a few different ways. Uh, You can email us at chatspod at gmail.com. With any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, whatnot, etc., you can follow us on X, aka the website formerly known as Twitter at ChatsPod. We have a YouTube channel where we post uh, episodes and stream archives called Chats Television Podcast on YouTube. 
Uh, we'd love it if you could rate us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast catcher of choice, wherever you find us. Oh, sorry, you know, quick interruption. The YouTube mm-hmm. channel was the Chads and Pickle episodes. I had I forgot to upload two of them. They should be going up tonight when this is recorded. So you'll Great. see them. They won't be in order anymore, but check the Chats and Television podcast playlist and they'll be in order there. Sorry about that. Awesome. You can also support the show with some money at patreon.com slash chatspod. $1 a month gets you access to the Discord where we hang out and we talk about all sorts of stuff, including struck work, but in yeah. secret. <laughs> at $3 a month and up, you get access to twice monthly bonus content on our Patreon, along with quite the hefty backlog of creative work. And at $5 a month and up, you get <laughs> thanked. Five dollars a month and up, you get thanked here at the end of every episode. Thank you, as always, to Stefan Six, Noel, Pat, my mom, Michael, May Louise, Marcus, Lee, Kat, Justin, Jen, Emrys, and Arthur. Thank you, folks, for supporting the show. We also have a website, chatspod.com. You can support at Camillustrator for uh her lovely podcast art. And as always, uh consider supporting the entertainment fund as we wind down um strike season, hopefully. Uh, I believe the WGA has figured out an agreement, or rather I should say the studios have come to their senses. And we're still in the midst of the SAG strike, so still folks who need your support until that's wrapped up. If you want to entertain yourself, though, between now and next time, we have some chatsums for you. Alan? Yes, sir? You go first. What's your chatsum? My sister, sister of the podcast, blessed me with a chatsum like an hour ago i didn't have one and then she gave me the greatest gift of all which is a challenge um so i've been going to the gym more and it's getting colder and so i've been trying to get a lock so that i can actually use one of the lockers at the gym and like put a jacket in there or something right um thing is i did used to go to the gym back in like 2019 2020 and then i stopped because covid and depression and money um at the time i had bought a lock i had like bought a saw a really good master lock and used it for a while and i left it at my parents house when i moved and so today i was like hey can you guys still have that lock and they were like yeah we have it we found it for you and it was unlocked and i was like sweet so i can reset the passcode because it's unlocked and i'll be good to go and i was like sitting with my parents we had just finished dinner and my sister who is a i will describe her as an agent of chaos was like Hey, what's this do? Is this, do you know the code to it? And before I could tell her that I didn't know the code to it, she locked it, therefore making it entirely impossible for me to ever open this lock again. Oh my gosh. Um, and I was like, so, I was like so close to being mad. And then my mom was like, why did you do that? And she was like, well, he didn't react strongly enough. He didn't tell me not to. So I just kind of did it. And uh-huh. my response, because, you know, kill him with kindness. Uh-huh. was to start researching how to crack a lock. And oh. I've, I've discovered my new favorite little fidget. I'm doing it right now. I've been discovered my new favorite fidget thing, which is listening to the tumblers. And I think I already have the first number of this. It's not hard. But huh. like this book and how it talks about creative work, you just have to start doing it. And you realize it's not. It's pretty easy if you're patient and have a good ear. Okay. And I'm gonna unlock this lock. So my chatsum is to get into lo- get into lock picking. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out the lock picking lawyer on YouTube if you want an actual wow. media based chatsum. But okay, that's awesome. 
and my my sort of like metaphorical chats them is uh take the annoying things that happen in your life and make them funny yeah that's fantastic that's a very good chat some thanks i'm glad i'm you're like giving me so many compliments today i feel like i'm on my game and you are too thank you <laughs> anyways what's your chats on this week babe um i have a tabletop rpg cool book chat some i was at the as i mentioned before the friendly local gaming store and I picked up a copy of a teen superhero RPG called Masks, the new generation or a new generation or something like that. Um, and it's a really great, uh, easy to pick up, but there's a lot of flavor to it system uh, that is essentially all about playing one of the many different archetypical teen superhero um characters whether that be your spider-man type or your your gene gray type or whatever it is um and they just do a really great job of making each of those different character options feel really evocative and cool and it's like wait i want to play this one i want to play this one i want to play that one so Mm. you know as someone like me who's a fan of well-designed and well-illustrated and well-thought-out rpg books um i'm glad that i picked that one up so that's my chat for this week what is it called again masks a new generation it's uh it runs on the powered by the apocalypse system <gasps> which you may know I from dungeon PTA. world yeah, yeah i know a lot of pta games because i know the guy that yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 love it i love it greg i want to say thank you for being the blurt to my affirmation because I can't have myself without you. And uh, thank you guys so very much for listening to this episode of Chats in a Pickle. Peace. Bye-bye.